Hi everyone, today I'm going to talk about why I consider myself a candyholic, some of the ins and outs of carb addiction and carb withdrawal, as well as the telltale signs you can use to determine if you too are a carb addict. I'll discuss the stages of carb withdrawal, addiction transfer, and provide some insight into achieving long-term success in the battle against carbs in a world that makes them so readily available. I'm Kelly Clark, business owner, boy mom, dog mom, nurse practitioner, book nerd, self-improvement obsessed, and a self-proclaimed recovering candyholic. After years of practicing ER medicine as a nurse and then as a nurse practitioner, I decided that I could do a lot more good working with people to prevent the diseases that brought them into the ER in the first place. It was then that I started my business, Medical Weight Loss and Wellness, where we promote and educate on the many benefits of a ketogenic lifestyle. A decade later, we have two locations and I employ 30 passionate and amazing women who have become a second family to me. I have found weight loss medicine to be incredibly challenging and immensely rewarding. It is one of the most complex areas of medicine due to how intimately intertwined the relationship is between our metabolic physiology and our personal psychology. In Confessions of a Candyholic, I will pull the many dynamics of weight loss together through the telling of my personal stories, the inspiring journeys of our patients, the experiences of my nursing staff. I'll even drop some keto knowledge and I'll discuss matters that can help improve your life. Change is hard, but it is only through change that we can level up to become the best version of who we are. It would be my pleasure to hold your hand as we all work together to become better versions of ourselves. Why do I consider myself a candyholic? Back in high school, I would stop every day on the way to school and get two packages of Reese's peanut butter cups and a regular Coca-Cola, and that was my breakfast. In college, I always had sweets in my backpack, whether they were sweet tarts or Skittles or Starbursts. Everyone knew to come to me for the sweets. Fast forward in the hospital setting as a nurse, I would go on break and I would hit up the gift shop for candy. It was terrible. I'm so embarrassed to tell you this. After my second child, the weight did not want to come off. Prior to that, I was just really lucky. I exercised quite a bit and I felt like that probably is what held my weight down. But at some point, the scales tip and that no longer is going to hold. And in my case, it occurred after my second child. So I tried the exercise. I tried eating in moderation. I attempted numerous diets and found very little success. So I began researching a little deeper and I stumbled upon such diets as the Atkins and the South Beach, both of which focused on eliminating the carbs. I remember when I started really watching the sugar and cutting it out, and it was intense. I vividly remember having a dream where I was eating a bowl of Cocoa Puffs. Now, mind you, I never have ever had a bowl of Cocoa Puffs. So where this came from, I don't know, but I wanted it then. I also was driving down the street one day, and I wanted these chocolate chip scones from one of the grocery stores. And I nearly, I I visualized myself cutting through two lanes of traffic to get into the turn lane to go to this grocery store to get these scones. This was all during the first few days of my carb withdrawal. I also had an intense headache. I felt really, really tired. I just felt like crap, but I did it. I made it through and I started feeling better 
and I started losing that weight that I had been struggling with for, well, by this time, I think my my youngest was nearly five years old. So this was going on for quite a while where I was tr- struggling to get this weight off. And I got to my goal and I thought, okay, well, I'm going to still be eating really good, but I'm going to allow some of this candy back in because I love candy and I want some. So what I would do is I would eat really good during the week and I would mostly eat good on the weekends, but I would bring candy in. And what happened was I was spending Monday, Tuesday, and much of Wednesday going through a level of carb withdrawal again. I was also feeling sluggish and icky for half of the week. And then finally by later on Wednesday, And Thursday, Friday, I'm feeling better. And then what do I do? Friday night or Saturday, I go get more candy. It was absolutely absurd in retrospect. But I was trying to strike this balance. And really, the balance was not working out for me. It was not in it was not working out in my favor at all. So one day, I'm driving down the street and I had just gone to Walgreens and I got my favorite chocolate licorice and I'm sitting there and I'm eating it and it just dawns on me. When am I ever satisfied? I'm not. I want, I could sit there and eat nearly this whole package of licorice and feel to the, to the point where I want to puke. And then what do I want? I want more. And I'm just thinking this, there's no ending here. There's no happy ending. It just keeps intensifying and I want more and I'm feeling cruddy. So I took that licorice and I threw it to the back of my SUV and I said, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. This is not working. By this time too, that weight was creeping back up. And I was getting to that point where I was hitting that threshold where, you know, things got to get real again. I was on the upper end of my comfort zone and I was done. And it just finally hit me that I can't do this anymore. It is not a healthy relationship. Me, candy, not good together. So that is why I do consider myself a candyholic because I could very easily slip back into that again. It's kind of where my head goes when I'm stressed out or I'm feeling down or anxious is candy. But I'm a lot stronger now than I used to be, and I know I need to stay away, and I just don't touch it. Now, have I had it over the years? Absolutely. But I really watch it. I don't like to keep it around. It's just me and Candy, no, not friends, not at all. In fact, it took me a while before I could go into a Walgreens and even be able to walk down the candy aisle without salivating. And I'm not joking. There were years that went by that I completely ignored and stayed out of that aisle because the temptation was just too much. So I can tell you from firsthand experience, carb withdrawal, carb addiction are very real phenomenons. Let's talk about carb addiction. Functional MRI mapping has shown us what happens to the brain when someone eats sugar or carbohydrates. That reward center lights up like a Christmas tree. The exact same thing occurs when an addict has their drug of choice, whether it be opioids or alcohol. It releases those feel-good chemicals, those brain chemicals, the dopamine, the serotonin. We also know in animal testing, the rats always choose sugar over cocaine. And whether we want it or not, whether we know it or not, we are all addicted to carbohydrates. And it's not entirely our fault. We were told for years to eat low fat. 
And we can blame that on the USDA guidelines. They were the ones that came out with that old food pyramid in the 1990s, the early 90s. And the entire foundation, if you recall, was carbohydrates. It was at this point that fat was villainized. And fat is very flavorful. And when fat became the villain, the food companies had to go and replace it with something else that could substitute that flavor that that fat had lended to the particular product. And guess what they filled it with? Sugar. Well, in 2011, the USDA updated their recommendations with something called MyPlate, which is still very heavy in carbohydrates. By the nature of the standard American diet, we are all addicted. Unfortunately, food addiction is not considered a true addiction, even though it mirrors other types of addictions. Standard protocols for treatment of food addiction are not established because the American medical community fails to recognize it as that. We continue to be told to eat less and exercise more, but we know this doesn't work. It never gets to the root of the problem, which is so much more profound than a simple matter of moderating. We don't fix our hunger hormones, nor do we break the carb addiction cycle by just eating less sugar, less of the same stuff, less of the standard American diet. It leaves us hungry and always wanting more. I remember when I was doing more of a calorie counting model and I would eat breakfast and I swear shortly after I'd eat breakfast all I could think about was what I was going to have for lunch and then after lunch I'd think well what can I have for a snack between lunch and dinner and then I'd be thinking about what I was going to have for dinner I couldn't stop thinking about food all day long that's all I thought about it was only when I started eating low carb or keto that I finally felt that freedom of not obsessing about what I was going to eat for my next meal. I felt full and satisfied between my meals, and it was such a great feeling. It felt like this new freedom, and I'm sure many of you can relate to what it's like constantly being hungry and thinking about food, thinking about your next meal. And then if you've had the opportunity to do a ketogenic diet, you know how, you know what a great feeling it is to feel satisfaction after a meal and between meals for maybe the first time in your life. Here are some telltale signs that you are addicted to carbohydrates. One, you are conditioned to eat. We're all a little Pavlovian when it comes to certain foods, but if your mouth waters every time you walk by a bakery case, the candy aisle, or a bowl of ice cream, especially when you're not hungry, that's a sign. Think of festival foods. There's a reason they pipe the bakery fumes into the entranceway of the store. Number two is emotional attachment. You say to yourself, I can't even imagine my life without pasta, rice, cookies, soda, candy, bread, etc., You might use the word love when you refer to a certain high-carb food, saying, I love pasta or I love cookies. Number three, you just can't stop. You have a hard time just having one, whether it's candy, cookies, pastries, beans, it doesn't matter. Stopping is always the hardest part. In fact, it's not unusual to eat to the point of feeling sick. Number four, you say to yourself, I'll eat better later. Every time you eat starchy or sugary carbs, you tell yourself that you'll cut back later or say, tomorrow, I'll be done with all of this. But when tomorrow never comes, that's a problem. Number five, you can't focus. 
you're distracted and can't stop thinking about the next snack or carb-filled meal. This type of distraction isn't hunger-related. It's all about the particular food. You have a sense that you can't get on with your day until you appease that craving. I think we all know what that's like to sit there and obsess. Number six, your portions are out of control. You may notice portion sizes start to increase. Where you used to be able to get by on just one or two small cookies, now you eat half the half or the entire box. And of course, right now is Girl Scout cookie time. <laughs> Number seven, you experience withdrawal symptoms when you cut back on the carbs. Now that you've made the decision to cut back on carbs, you feel physically ill as you are in the process of cutting back or eliminating. So if you're experiencing the majority of these, you too are a carb addict. We've established carbs are addictive, and as with any addiction, withdrawal is part of it. There are distinct stages to carb withdrawal. Each and everyone's timeline is very different. Some experience withdrawal for two to four days, while others, it may take a week or more. But here's the good news. It does subside. Know this, and know that you are not alone, and a week of feeling not so great will result in a lifetime of feeling so much better. There are stages of carb withdrawal that all experience, but again, the timeline is very different for each. Number one is motivation. You are excited about making a change. I will talk about this a little bit more in depth as I discuss tips to fighting off your addiction. Make no mistake, you will need this motivation to keep you going forward. Number two is cravings. Cravings are one of the earliest signs of carb or sugar withdrawal. Number three, symptoms intensify. These include the physical symptoms such as feeling irritable, edgy, tired, low energy, bloating, nausea, diarrhea, constipation, or chills. We don't refer to it as the keto flu for nothing. Number four, rounding the corner. Symptoms are subsiding now. Many report less physical withdrawal symptoms, reduced brain fog, energy begins to improve, cravings are becoming less intense. This improvement will continue gradually, particularly as physiological changes occur, like the regulation of hunger hormones and metabolic healing. Something else we need to be acutely aware of is the concept of addiction transfer, meaning we replace one addiction for another. For many, cutting out the carbs can be like losing your very best friend. In fact, according to researchers at the University of Pittsburgh, people who undergo gastric bypass procedure are three times more likely than those in the general population to die of a drug or alcohol-related cause. Researchers aren't exactly sure why that is, but some speculate it has to do with transferring the addiction to another substance. While health is improving due to the weight loss, the underlying issue, the why the overeating occurred in the first place, is not always properly addressed, causing these individuals to transfer their addiction to perhaps another substance since food is no longer an option. The brain wants what it wants, and the need to seek out pleasure elsewhere can be overwhelming. So what is one to do? You must work to find something else that can bring you pleasure. For some, it's physical activity or meditation, art, a hobby. Thinking about this and working on discovering a more healthy subject to transfer your addiction to can only help you along your weight loss journey, but also set you up for long-term success once you meet your weight loss goal. The great news is that eating low carb or keto can really help set you up for success. There are less ups and downs in our hunger hormones, which significantly help with self-control. Additionally, ketones have a calming effect on many, and we have 
better control of that stress saying, I have to eat something now. Rather, we are able to make better choices based on hunger than cravings. Also keep in mind that for some, one single bite of cake piece of bread, candy, etc., will cause a full-blown relapse because the brain receptors will instantly open like starving baby birds and scream for more. It is imperative to recognize what item or items these are for you. For me, it's the candy, and I know I can't stop, and one piece will leave me obsessing for more. I like to refer to these off-limit items as your personal gateway drugs. You know, the, the item or items you just know you can't and don't have control over. These are the items you can never have a healthy relationship with. And deep inside, we all know what these are. Remember, carbs are no different than drugs or alcohol are for an addict. We are all susceptible to relapse. It is so important to change our mindset away from the thought that adherence to a diet or a keto lifestyle is about willpower and that our failure is due to weakness, laziness, or a flaw in our behavior. It truly is an addiction, and it's time we think of it like that. Let me provide you a few tips that can help along your journey when it comes to battling carb addiction. One, stay motivated. Write down or type into the notes section of your phone why you want to lose weight and refer to it often, particularly when you are feeling less motivated or contemplating cravings. The reason should not be surface, meaning not about fitting into a dress or a pair of jeans for a particular event or occasion. That will not keep you going. It needs to come from within. It needs to inspire you whenever you think about it. For example, you want to lose weight and become more healthy so you can keep up with your kids or your grandchildren, or you want to be there to witness your daughter or your son's graduation or their marriage, or perhaps you want to be able to go on the many trips that you have planned in your retirement. It could also be about reversing insulin resistance or PCOS to improve chances of creating a family. Make it matter and make it come from within. Also take progression pictures along your journey. Keep them in an album on your phone. I'd even go so far to suggest write a few descriptive words about how you are feeling about yourself at that time. This way, when the challenging times in life come along that bring you close to relapse, you can refer to these as a reminder of how far you've come and how good you feel. This can be immensely powerful and doesn't take much effort. Number two, plan your meals. Start your week out by doing some planning. If you can plan the entire week, that's great. If you prefer to do two or three or four days at a time, that's fine too. When you plan, your chances of veering off track are significantly reduced. I would also recommend journaling. Those that write down or track their intake are statistically more likely to adhere. Number three, clean out your pantry. Get rid of your triggers. I know many of you have a family at home and this does make the pantry purge more difficult. What I did was buy snacks my kids like, but that I personally was less tempted by. For example, if potato chips happen to be your weakness, buy the kids crackers or pretzels or flavored chips that you don't care for. Don't keep your personal favorites, your gateway drugs in that pantry, period. Carb addiction and carb withdrawal are very real, but I promise you it gets easier. Will you relapse? Almost certainly, but remember, this is about our brain chemistry. It is an addiction. We are always going to be addicts regardless of how long we have been away from our drug of choice. For me, the candy. With this in mind, what would you suggest to an alcoholic if she was to relapse? 
you'd highly encourage her to seek help. Maybe reach out to her previous sponsor or begin attending those AA meetings again. We have to start thinking along those lines. It is not a flaw in our willpower. It is not about being a glutton and it is not because we are lazy. There is a reason we recommend coming in to weigh in once a week. Not only do we do a health check and answer questions, but also to hold you accountable. Just as an AA meeting holds an alcoholic accountable, the psychological power of accountability cannot be underestimated. Remember, never let the leash get too loose. If you're in maintenance, come in for shots just to keep your head in the game and make sure that you do your monthly maintenance appointments. The events that trigger relapse on drugs and alcohol for an addict, regardless of how long they have been clean, are the very same that can trigger a relapse on carbs. If things get out of control due to life circumstances, remember back to what helped you in the first place and get back in for our help. If you don't think every single one of the MWLW staff has not relapsed along the way, you are terribly mistaken. We all have, and you will too. It's human nature. Although you know exactly what you need to do to lose the weight because you've done it and we've taught you. You often do need the help and accountability we provide and there is no shame in that. Again, this is why it's so important to shift our mindset to carbs being an addiction rather than a simple matter of willpower. I hope you all found this helpful and please feel free to discuss any of these matters with us. Everyone have a great week. Thank you for listening. And if you like this podcast, please share it with your friends. Bye for now. Bye for now.